Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia, alleluia. So like the disciples, we have stumbled through Holy Week, but in this case, uh, a virtual Holy Week. Um, as you probably noticed, we're doing the best we can with uh, technology to try to facilitate uh, our worship and our community life together with Christ. Um, we're trying to find the best ways that we can to do this. Um, and so like Friday night, as we heard, the, the audio was not the best we know. And so we're, we're, we're just working with it and um, trying to, like I said, um, do the best. Um, so, you know, one of the things that's always struck me about the resurrection stories is the way that fear pops up over and over again in them. And the Old Testament reading from Exodus chapter 14, we find the same thing. We find that the Israelites are greatly afraid that they are about to be destroyed by the Egyptians. This is a theme that appears throughout the Bible, and it's trying to tell us something. Fear is actually one of the most primal and powerful forces in a human being's life. It, this is one of those fatal consequences of the fall. Humanity was created to live by faith, to trust God. Um, but when we disobeyed, we became like skittish animals. Um, we are afraid of the unknown. Uh, and so in the resurrection, God comes to confront our fears and to call us past them. Now, one thing I want to say before I jump into these passages is, is that it does not matter who you are, man or woman or where you're from, fear presents itself in all of us, even if it comes out in different ways, as we see in the passages that we have heard this morning. Um, so we're going to make our way to the resurrection story by way of Exodus chapter 14, which in itself is a resurrection of sorts. And in Exodus 14, the Israelites are running from the Egyptians. God has delivered them from slavery in Egypt through a series of plagues, but obviously Egypt hasn't given up easily on having Israel as their slaves. They've tailed the Israelites and they're now about to overtake them uh, in the reading from chapter 14. Egypt is on one side of Israel and water is on the other. So if you can picture it, Israel is in a death trap in this moment. We're told they feared greatly. Now, I want you to take note. This is the narrator's comment that they feared greatly. This isn't necessarily what Israel said. The narrator is like a skilled counselor, if you will. They excavate the root motivations of humanity. If you had been there that day, you might have talked about the anger within the Israelites at Moses just as much as the fear. So what is it that they fear, though? Israel is not made up of weak men. They're hard laborers. They've been in slavery for 400 years. They're brick makers. Now listen again to the exchange that they have with Moses, who's led them into this situation. Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you've taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. 
for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. What were the Israelites afraid of? Was it death? Well, partly. But even death doesn't tell the whole story. They said, is it because there were no graves in Egypt that you've taken us away to die in the wilderness? Death doesn't seem to be as fearful as the idea of living without control, living without familiarity. They would have preferred to die in Egypt than in the wilderness. At least slavery in Egypt was familiar to them. It was like a safe space that you get used to no matter how terrible it is. The Israelites' greatest fear was the unknown of it all. So what did God ask of them in this fear? Honestly, God didn't ask much of them, or, or maybe he did ask a lot. It, it just depends on which way you're looking at it. He tells them, fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. Now, the trouble is that when you're fearful, the hardest thing to do is to do nothing, to be silent and to wait. Do not fear becomes a resounding command in the Old Testament. So when the young wet behind the ears leader Joshua is called on to lead the Israelites into another great unknown in their journey, their adventure of faith, God tells Joshua, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. This wherever you go piece is especially important because it's the unknown spaces of life, whether they're physical, a physical unknown, geographical unknown, or a spiritual unknown, or an emotional unknown. All of these unknowns invoke fear. As we'll see, do not fear is also a timeless piece of instruction for God's people. Later in Israel's history, when King Ahaz of Judah is surrounded by armies, he and the entire nation of Israel are frightened. And God says to Ahaz, be careful, be quiet, do not fear, and do not let your heart be faint. Now, what does fear have to do with the resurrection of Christ? Well, again, fear is at the center of all the stories of Jesus' resurrection. There is no one who comes into contact with news of the resurrection who is not fearful. And understandably so, to be close to an event of this magnitude and not express some fear and reticence would be inhuman. What's interesting is the way that fear does different things to different people in the stories of the resurrection. Those who are willing to let their fears be confronted by God, who are willing to be called past their fears, they find life in Jesus Christ and in his resurrection. But those who don't let their fears be confronted, uh, they end up living in a kind of death. So in the resurrection narrative from Matthew's gospel, uh, we heard that an angel descends and he rolls away the stone to the tomb. Now, if you read it closely, Jesus is already gone. The angel doesn't roll away the, the, the stone to let Jesus out. Jesus is already out, and he is making this known. Now, there are other stories uh, about Jesus' resurrection where he suddenly appears in rooms that were uh, shut by a locked lock, lock door. 
And we don't know the physics of Jesus's resurrected body, obviously, but it, it is clearly not limited by physicality. And, and that, that part should not be a surprise. It shouldn't be something that's mocked as some kind of proof of the mythic nature of the gospel stories. The entire point of the resurrection is that heaven and earth have finally become one. The spiritual and the physical have been fully reunited in the resurrected body of Jesus Christ. Therefore, physical bodies are no longer diminished by physicality. This will become the norm. It's something like a Marvel universe with no evil to fight. It's amazing. It, this would be a, an incredible idea to explore in a sermon, but it, it's not where I'm going this morning. Now, guards are standing watch at the tomb when the angel arrives. They're put there by the authorities for the very reason that Jesus said he would rise from the dead. And they wanted to ensure that the disciples didn't come and steal the body, then spread the notion that Jesus had risen from the dead. Isn't this ironic? And here we come back again to fear. When the guards see the angel, they're said to have been so fearful that they became like dead men. They're frozen by fear. Now, in our era of widespread skepticism of the supernatural, uh, you or people you know, probably, you probably know people, if it's not you, who doubt uh, these details as some mere uh, primitive ways of storytelling. Even though there's a great amount of evidence that points to the reality of Jesus' resurrection, the truth is that no one can prove to you with certainty that the angel was there that day. That is reality. But what we can say is that the supernatural elements of this story are not there just for mere decoration, just to impress us. The resurrection story is also intending to expose the way that fear and disbelief hollow out our humanity. Later, these same fearful soldiers accept a bribe from the authorities to remain quiet about what's happened. Now, admittedly, if those soldiers had embraced Jesus' resurrection, they would have likely become the first Christian martyrs. <laughs> but the story here is telling us that they react according to what they are. They're dead men. Fear has made them hollow. Even when the truth confronts them, they're unable to receive it. And it's made the authorities hollow as well. They do everything they can to create a cover-up. Now, we see this sort of thing in our world all the time. It's all too familiar with those who are in power. Stories are twisted to support those in power, to buttress them against the loss of power. But it's not just with powerful people that this happens. We do it ourselves too. Fear twists us, all of us, into all kinds of knots. And this is why Jesus tells us, the truth will set you free. This applies in all circumstances. The truth will set you free. Now the women who come to the tomb, unlike the soldiers, they ventured out courageously in the early morning hours to visit the tomb of Jesus. Though they're fearful when they see the angel, they receive a comforting word. 
do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, as he said. Go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. They leave the tomb, and they're still afraid. But a new feeling has risen up inside of them, the feeling of joy, it says. You hear talk about people being fearless, as if that's the virtue that all of us should seek. I'm not actually certain that fearlessness even exists this side of eternity. What does exist is a fear that has been chastened by virtues like joy, love, and courage. On the way to tell the disciples the news, Jesus too meets the women. I wonder if you've noticed that the women are the main ones who are able to meet both the angels and Jesus. It's true that the disciples get to meet Jesus, and yeah, that's enough. But if you had the opportunity, if you were asked, would you like to meet Jesus and the angels, would you turn that down? No. The women have the greatest amount of blessing in this story. The women who take that bold morning walk to the tomb, they receive the greatest experience of heaven. Now, the disciples, as I'm getting to here, they're still holed away in their own fear. And this whole situation reminds me of another saying of Jesus, whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken away from them. Part of what Jesus is saying and part of what's illustrated in this story of the resurrection is don't waste the small bits of courage that you have in your life. God will, make, will meet you in those small steps of courage, and he will make much more of it. That's what he does with the women. But the warning of Jesus' statement is that if you give in to fear, fear will gradually take away everything from you. Now, Jesus, too, like the angels, tells the women not to be afraid, to go and tell the disciples where to meet him. Now, the disciples, as I said, are locked away, both literally and figuratively. They are locked away because they're afraid that the people who crucified Jesus will come for them next. And despite their fears, um, they're told to meet Christ in Galilee. And this is a part of the, the Matthew's resurrection story that we didn't read. But they are willing, despite their fears, to venture out and to meet the risen Christ. Some of them are immediately allayed of their fears. They worship, we're told. But others are said to still have doubts. And I, I think in this case, doubts are wrapped up in fear. But again, Jesus assures us If we're willing to take the small steps uh, with the courage we do have, he'll meet us in those steps and he'll give us what we need. And so that's what he does with the disciples. He assures them of his power and his authority. And he assures them of this at the end of Matthew's resurrection story. I'm with you always to the end of the age. And that echoes exactly what God told Joshua. I will be with you wherever you go. How is it that we do not live lives of fear? I I want to give just 
one overall um, point, umbrella point. We must all continually take risks in following the Lord Jesus Christ. The resurrection of Christ calls on us to live boldly in the world. If you're not a Christian or you've walked away from Christ, this calls you to take the risk of faith. The opposite of doubts is not certainty. It's faith. And so gather up the small bits of courage you have and take the first steps of faith. Repent of your sins. Be baptized into the community of faith where your doubts can be cared for and shepherded. If you've walked away from the faith, return to it and trust that Jesus will meet you just like he did the women and all their fear and small bits of joy that were rising within them. He will meet you and he'll welcome you back and say greetings as if he never left. If you're a Christian, continue to take risk in following the Lord Jesus Christ. No matter how old you are, no, no matter where you are in the walk, your walk with Christ, continue to take risks. Take steps with him into the fearful unknown. We have to do this in our personal lives as individuals. We have to continually take steps into our fears to the other side of them. And doing this forces us to be honest about our fears in the first place, to trust that the truth really will set us free. Now, families also have to be intentional to take risks in following Christ. We have to teach this to our children so that fear is not a topic of secrecy within our homes. It's something to be named and to be overcome. Now, we also must be willing to take risks in following Christ as a church. Church of the Lamb is called to embody the life of the resurrected Christ. The season we're in currently as a church, as a community, as Harrisonburg and Rockingham County, as a state, as a country, as a world, it's going to cause us to feel the need to live safely, perhaps even to live in fear. And there's a lot of wisdom in living safely. But we must not resort to fear. God is constantly telling his people, do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go, even the complete unknown. In the resurrection, God is confronting all our fears. He's calling us to live boldly with faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, that sin, and especially that great unknown of death, Every reason for fear has been cast down. Christ is being lifted up in the resurrection. And we, his people, are being lifted up with him so that we would live lives of joy and courage and love in the Lord Jesus Christ. Alleluia. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah, hallelujah.